Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Well, I am excited to be back home, and uh, Melissa did a great job last weekend. Can we encourage her? So I'm glad to be back from my little excursion. I had a great time, a lot of time of rest and uh, relaxation and crashing cars and shooting machine guns and all that good stuff. So uh, it was a really, really fun time. And uh, I'm glad that we have such a great team here that I can leave and go out of town. And uh, many of you guys still just impact this city for the Lord. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart for being such a great church. Can we just give it up for our church? Love you guys. And while you're clapping, let's welcome all those who are joining us by video this morning. So glad you guys have tuned in. All right, so we're in this series called 40 Days with Jesus, and after Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead, he spent 40 days on planet Earth walking around, and and then he ascended into heaven, and then on the 50th day, the Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. And and so as we came through Easter, I was really praying, and I thought, man, it would be really cool to take the 40 days after Easter and just kind of look at at what was it that Jesus did for those 40 days. Now, there's not a ton of scripture about those 40 days days, but you can guarantee that Jesus spent a lot of time reinforcing the messages that he had preached and talked about through his ministry. But one of the things that Jesus spent a lot of time on uh, in that 40-day uh, that period was this idea of restoration. Man, he spent a ton of time with his disciples restoring them back. And if you, if you put yourself in their shoes for just a minute, you got to think about this. They, they left everything And they began to walk with this man who probably seemed a little crazy. And all of a sudden, he started healing people and and raising people from the dead and turning water into wine and and walking on water and all those kind of things. And and here they, they see and recognize that this guy is God in the flesh, that the Messiah is with them. And then they go through the pain and the turmoil of watching God go to the cross and be crucified. And, and you got to just know they were messed up. You got to know that in their hearts, they were just a little freaked out. And so Jesus raised from the dead. He comes back and that, that probably freaked him out as well too, because here he is alive again after we saw him be crucified and put in the grave. And so th- they're in this place where they're just tarnished inside. They're in a place in need of restoration. And it is a major theme throughout Christianity, this idea of restoration. See, Jesus came back and he helped Thomas, who was doubting, regain his faith. He restored Thomas' faith. He restored Peter after Peter denied him three times. He restored John the Beloved, who used to lay his head on Jesus' chest who competed for Jesus' attention. He restored Mary and Martha, and he spent those times, three different instances in those 40 days, Scripture tells us that he shows up and he began to restore the disciples. And I believe that restoration is not one of those things that that should be pushed aside in our Christian life because the reality is we all have areas that need to be restored. If we're being completely honest, every single one of us have places in our lives that are just messed up. And we take those tarnished areas of life and we push them back to the corners and we put them in the closets of our heart and we say, listen, I don't want to deal with that. It's too hurtful. It's too painful. There's there's too much to deal with. I'm just going to set it aside and it's never going to affect me. I'm going to close the door on it. But the reality is, is that it, it still affects us. 
those areas in life that we've been hurt by, those, those things that have confused us, those unanswered questions, they mess with us. The way we interact with our families, our kids, our parents, coworkers, church friends, all of those tarnished areas of life, they affect our everyday interactions. And so Jesus, he begins to restore the disciples because restoration is a vital part of living as a disciple of Jesus. Because in life, every day we face something. There's always something that's, that's happening that needs to be fixed in us. Always some type of attitude that comes up and you're like, where, where did that come from? How did, how did I get this on the inside of me? Jesus restores all things. Now, now hear me very closely because when you get born again, you give your life to God, your spirit is restored. It's made new. But your mind, your will, and emotions, your flesh, those kind of things, they are a work in progress. Immediately when you give your life to the Lord, your spirit is made alive. But we have to work out the rest of that. Our perceptions, the way we see things, the, the way we think about things, the, the way things affect us in life. So Jesus is a restorer of all things. You know, life is, is really just not cut and dry. Do you ever realize that? Life is just not like good people and bad people. Like here are all the, the perfect people and here are all the imperfect people. You realize that life is really a continuum. That we all live somewhere on this place between what we would consider perfection and what we would consider non-perfection or imperfection. And in life, we, we find ourselves kind of tracking at different places on this curve. Because at sometimes you feel like, man, I'm just doing great. I'm loving God. I've been spending time with, with Jesus every day. I've been reading my Bible. And then sometimes you kind of swerve on the continuum and you're like, Jesus, who? Or something happens in your life and, and you feel so distant, so far away from God and the people who love you. So we're always on this continuum. Life is, is not black and white. We all have needs inside of us to be restored. All have issues and things inside of us that we need Jesus to touch. Restoration is a process, not a project. And for many of us, it's a lifelong process. John chapter 21 this is the account of Jesus restoring Peter. Starting in verse 15. It says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved on the inside because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And, and Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, there's something interesting to this as it relates to how Jesus wants to restore us on the things that have hurt us in life, the things that we have tried to push into the corners of our hearts and we've tried to neglect and think that they're not going to affect us in life. There's something interesting in how Jesus starts to, to bring these things out for Peter. Notice that he just didn't walk up and pat Peter on the back and say, Peter, it's okay. 
There was a process that Jesus walked him through. Three distinct instances. Peter said, Lord, I love you. And Jesus asked him again. And he said, yes, Lord, I love you three times. And, and, and we see in scripture that Jesus was walking him along this road. Now think about this because this is Jesus. He's God. Why would Jesus need to, to interact with Peter three times? Not because Jesus didn't have the power to restore him, but Peter needed the process. See, we need the process in time. And, and I know sometimes we, we pray for miracles to happen, and I'm all for miracles. God, bring, bring miracles. Open the heavens up and, and, and completely revolutionize our lives. But do you know that sometimes we just need to learn how to let God heal us? That sometimes we need to learn how to let the process of the kingdom take place in our lives. So three times. Now, the interesting thing about this is, is Jesus restored him three times. But if we look back a few verses in Scripture, we find out that Peter denied him three times. Now, there's no coincidence that, that Jesus restored him three times and Peter denied Jesus three times. Because there's a path along this continuum of, of where we live life, whether we're doing really well or whether we're in, in the, the, the mud laying down, face down at the end of everything. Wherever we are in that continuum, there's, there's this process that gets us there and this process that gets us out. You know, you just don't wake up one day and your marriage is gone. I know we kind of think that, but it just doesn't happen that way because if you really look at it, you find that, that it's been probably months, if not years of neglect that have brought us to the point where I don't love you anymore. You don't wake up one day and you're completely addicted to substances, it doesn't just start out that at one party one night that you find out that you become a heroin addict. It doesn't work that way. It is a process of walking away from God. One foot in front of the other. You don't just wake up one day and find yourself in, in a bad place of life. You don't wake up one day and find yourself offended. Offense is something that it's a little bit here. It's something somebody said there, and then we stew on that. And we seethe about it, and, and then we begin to change our perceptions, and then we get to this place where somebody else says something else, and it takes us a step further. And then before you know it, we're just mad at the world and just angry and hurt. It's a process. Peter started on, on this part of the continuum. I mean, he was the one revealing that Jesus was the son of God, the Messiah, one minute. And the next minute, he's on the other side of this continuum, and he's the one denying Jesus. And our lives are no different. One minute, we could be flying at the top of our game, and the next minute, our life seems to be falling apart. When I was 21 years old, I started working in my first ministry job. I was so excited. I was in college, and I well, I'd stopped going to college to move to Georgia with a friend of mine to, to help him start a church. And so I, I had taken a sabbatical from school, and, and I was working full-time at this church. And, and I was like, man, this is so great. This is what God called me and created me to do. And, and as time went on, things didn't turn out to be like I really wanted them to be. Anybody ever been there? You start something new in life, and you think, this is going to be awesome. And it was awful. I felt in that position 
so used and abused and manipulated. I, I worked all week long. I, I gave my life to that thing and, and, and my heart and, and my soul and my path. I stopped going to school. I moved away from my friends and my family to a place where I didn't know anybody. And in the midst of working at that church, some things began to happen that were not right. Now, the truth is, is that there were some things that were done to me that were wrong. But the other side of that truth is, is that there were some things that I fabricated in my own heart and mind because I was mad and hurt that were not really happening. Nevertheless, I was sliding in this scale, this continuum of life. I remember I made $148.52 a week. I had to write the checks because I did all the bookkeeping for the church. And every single week I would write the check, I would just get madder and madder and madder. Because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even hardly feed myself. And I thought, I've, I've devoted my life to helping this dude start this church. And come on, dude. I mean, like 50 bucks a month would change my situation. And then I would look at the benevolence account. And I would see that I made like six grand this year. And we gave $21,000 away to people we didn't even know who just came looking for an electric bill. And I thought, what about me? I need some benevolence. And I found myself in a bad place manipulated, felt abused, I felt abandoned. And in my heart, things started to grow. I was sliding down the scale. So I resigned my position at the church and I, I thought, I'm going to go to medical school. Forget ministry. If this is what ministry is, I don't want any part of it. So I re-enrolled in college. I went and got a job drawing blood at a local hospital. My pay doubled immediately. I was ecstatic. I thought, man, I'm just going to go be a doctor. I'll do medical missions, and I'll just make a lot of money. I started walking that path, and, and I remember I got an opportunity to go to Duke University and, and do an internship there. And so I packed up all of my things and sent the U-Haul up, and I remember driving out of that town looking in the rearview mirror. And I was so hurt. I was so devastated. I thought, I've wasted these years. It was the most lonely time of my life. I drove to Durham, North Carolina, and I unpacked my stuff. And I was there early before all the other interns came. I didn't have any furniture. I just had a stereo in the living room. And I remember I went out to a gas station to get gas because uh, I was going to start going to the lab the next week. And I was in there paying for the gas. And I looked over, and there's all these cooler doors full of things to drink. And for a split second, I thought, yeah. So I went and got the biggest bottle of beer I could find. And I was back in, like, my party days again. I got, like, a Colt 120. <laughs> Just a joke. And I remember I drove home to my apartment. I lived in the Duke Forest, and it's dark, and I didn't have any furniture. And I sat in the floor of this apartment, and the radio was on, and I sat there, and I just drank that huge gallon of beer. <laughs> and that was the most lonely time of my entire life. It was the most painful time, the most hurtful time. My soul was tarnished 
to a place it had never been. And I remember I sat there and I thought, this is just great. For the next few weeks, I partied like it was 1999. It was 1998, actually. And I was in a place where I was about to lose myself, honestly. And as I was in that place of being so alone, I I realized that I had some choices to make. I knew Jesus was a restorer, but I had to let him in. I, I knew that my soul... Psalm 23, 3, he restores my soul. I knew that my soul was so tarnished and corroded and corrupted. And I knew that if I didn't let Jesus restore those things inside of me, it was going to ultimately take me off course for my life, for my entire life. Peter found himself in that same place. Probably the loneliest place of his entire life. Because just a few hours later, he was saying to Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll go to jail for you. I'll, I'll do anything, Lord. And then just a few hours later, he finds himself denying Jesus. You see, there's a lot that we can learn from Peter's denial as it relates to restoration. The, the process that Peter walked through as he was in this place of, I'll die for you, Jesus, to this place of the first denial, he slipped a little bit. This place of the second denial, he slipped a little further. The place of the third denial, and he had slipped to the bottom. See, if we look at those points on that continuum, we we can get some kind of idea for what restoration looks like in our lives for us. Luke 22, 31. How did he get to this spot? Jesus prayed for him, and he said, Simon, Indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift your faith as wheat. And if we're being honest, the, the, the things that have hurt us in life are less about the people that have hurt us. The things that have caused us to need restoration are less about the things that have affected us and more about what the devil is trying to do to remove you to make you inept, inactive, incomplete. Just as Simon Peter was sifted as wheat, so are we. And at some point in our lives, we we have to stand up and we have to realize that the things that have hurt us, when you really boil that down to the core, those things are not from the people that have hurt us. Those things are from the devil who hates us. And at some point in our lives, we have to stand up and and honestly have a little bit of some righteous indignation inside of us that says, I'm not going to let him work through people to destroy me. I need to be restored. I have things in my life that have become tarnished. The steps that took Peter to this bad place are the steps that take him out. And for you, the steps that have taken you to those places in your own life that need restoration, it's the same steps that pull you back out of that. Here's Peter's denial. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. Anybody identify with this? Am I talking to anybody or just preaching to me today? Verse 69 says, Now Peter sat outside. This was in the courtyard of Caiaphas' house. He sat outside in the courtyard 
And a servant girl came to him and said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, right? Verse 70, Peter said, no, I, I don't know. I denied that. I, I don't know what you're saying. And then when he had gone out to the gateway, he had moved a further step away to the porch. He was inside the courtyard of the house. Now he's on the porch of the house. And another girl saw him and said to those who were with him, this fellow also, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied them with an oath. And he said, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by out in the yard in front of Caiaphas' house, they came up to him. They were all standing together. And they said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. And then he began to curse, and he began to swear, saying, I do not know this man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out, and he wept bitterly. It's Peter's progression from being in a place, a good place, a place of health and wholeness, progressing all the way to this place of denial of Jesus. One version of the gospel says that as soon as Peter denied him, he looked up and Jesus, who was being persecuted in Caiaphas' house, looked out and they made eye contact Peter was at the bottom. So how do you work yourself back out of those places? How do you open your heart up and you say, okay, here's the pain of all pain that I've tried to hold. I've tried to capture it and I've tried to hide it. How do you get healed from that? You know, if I think about the disciples, what would have happened in the early church had Jesus not restored them? What would the church have looked like? If doubting Thomas had not been restored in faith, what would the early church have looked like if Peter, who had denied him and went back to fishing, he was a bad fisherman, by the way, went back to his, his old life? What would the early church have looked like if Mary and Martha had not seen him and spent time with him? What would the early church look like if John the Beloved had, had not received Jesus' love one more time? They would have been a mess. And the reality is, guys, for us 2,000 years later, if we don't allow Jesus to restore those things that we've hidden, we're just a mess and ineffective. You've got to open your heart and you've got to let God heal those things that have hurt you. On this Mother's Day, some of you have been so hurt by your mother. Some of you mothers, you've been so hurt by your children. And you carry those things. How do you fix it? You've got to let Jesus walk you through the process. So here's the deal. When you look at Peter, you see that his first denial, he was in the best place that he could have been, right? And it all got worse from there. So he was in the best place, and then he had his first denial. He gets to the second denial. He's in a worse place. He has the third denial. He's in the worst of the worst place. So as we break down this scripture and unpack this, I'm going to start with the last one the third denial, and we're going to work our way back up. If you're following along in your fill-ins today, verse 71, it says, when he had gone out to the gateway, I'm sorry, verse 73, and a little later, those who stood by him, they accused him of being with Jesus. Restoration begins with right standing. 
Now get this progression because at the worst of the worst time, Peter finds himself standing with the unrighteous. He's standing out in the yard. He started inside the house, and now he's the furthest away from Jesus that he had been. And he's standing around with these people, and, and they're accusing him. Hey, you were, you were with Jesus. And, and you got to know that in Peter's heart at that point, and he looks up, and he sees Jesus look out at him, and they make, make eye contact. you got to know that at that point, Peter felt like he had lost his footing, that he had lost his standing. And, and isn't that true? Like in life, when, when things come against us and we get hurt and we begin to react to that, don't we feel like we lose our place with God? Like you blow up on, on a family member or a spouse or something like that. Isn't the next thing that happens inside of us is we feel distant from God? We feel like we've lost our standing with God. Like, like you, you find this thing that, that needs to be restored inside of you and it gets out of control. And, and you end up doing something that you know you don't want to do or need to do or, or whatever. And it, it begins to happen. And then all of a sudden, man, I don't feel like reading my Bible anymore. I don't feel like going to church. I, I, I just, I don't know if I can see those people. I don't go to Christmas anymore with the family. Go to other people's house for Thanksgiving. See, restoration begins with right standing. See, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says that he who was no sin or knew no sin, was made sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Restoration begins with understanding that regardless of what's happened to you or how painful it's been, that you stand in a right place with God. Regardless of the mistakes that you've made, you stand in a right place with God, not because of what you have or have not done, but because of what he did. He stood with the unrighteous, and he began to take that persona on for himself. First John 1 John 1.9 says this. says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's the first step to, to, to this place of restoration. God, forgive me for my part. Verse 71, it says, and when he had gone out to the gateway, to the porch, another girl saw him. She looked at him. You look this word up in the original text, and it says that she perceived him. She perceived him. There's something about this second step of, of Peter's continuum that, that his perceptions began to be changed. Restoration requires that we have renewed perceptions. Now think about this. When you get hurt, don't you begin to view things very differently? I mean, we begin to manufacture things like, well, I know this is what they meant by that. They couldn't have meant anything else. And our perceptions begin to get skewed by that. And we begin to manufacture things in our own heart that, that may or may not be true. Ever met somebody that just has skewed perceptions on life? And you're like, ooh, they march to the beat of a different drum. Perceptions get skewed. Restoration requires that you begin to view things the way God views them. Not the way your pain perceives them. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says to, to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. 
So we have to have this this understanding in our restoration process that regardless of the pain or the problems that we stand right with God always. The second part of this restoration is we've got to allow God to change the way we view the situation. See it the way he sees it. See it from a renewed perspective, not a hurt perspective. Verse 69, it says, now Peter sat outside in the courtyard. This is the internal courtyard of the house. This was his first denial. He sat in that place in Caiaphas' house. One of the gospels says that he had been following from a distance. See, in this place, the other disciples were there too, but Peter found himself off alone. Distanced away from the other 12 disciples that or 11 disciples at that point. Putting a wedge between himself and the relationships that he had built over the previous years. It's an important step of restoration because when hurt and pain comes, we begin to distance ourselves from the people who are important to us. See, restoration embraces right relationships it embraces right relationships those feelings that say I can't see those people I can't be around them it's too painful too hurtful that is the key to unlocking the path of restoration for your life when I was in Durham North Carolina at the end of my rope figuring out if I was going to follow the path that God had for me or not. The catalyst for my restoration was one night when I picked up the phone and I called that pastor that had hurt me so severely. And I said, hey man, what's going on? How are you? I started that conversation again and I opened that box. I said, God, here it is. Here's my hurt. Here's my pain. I don't want to talk to this guy. But I knew that if I did not do that, I would be lost. And some of you sit here today with a tarnished heart. You've been hurt somewhere by somebody. You've closed the door. Restoration. It resides on the other side of that door. And today you can open it. And you can begin to walk that process of healing. And here's a great thing about restoration is restoration, it recovers the right path. It recovers the right path when you allow God to restore you. It puts you back on track. When I allowed God to restore me, From all that mess, the desire for medical school started to wane away and ministry began to grow in my heart again. But you have to let God in. To be vulnerable. Close your eyes, let me pray for you. Father, I honor you today. Lord, I I know that there are people here who have deep hurts and wounds. 
God, many of us are just messed up. We look good on the outside. But on the inside, we've been hurt. I pray today, Father, for the courage in your people to open their heart, to begin the process. Some of you today have some phone calls to make. Some of you today, your purpose and your destiny has been waiting at the door for decades. But because God loves you, he can't release you into what he created you to do in a hurt fashion. You've got to be healthy. You've got to be whole. So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, you're here today. And you know that there are tarnished things inside of your heart. You've been hurt. You need restoration. Maybe you've been hurt by a church leader. Maybe you've been hurt by a family member. Maybe you've been hurt at your very core by just a friend. you've been hurt in an employment situation doesn't matter where you've been hurt maybe you were abused as a child and you've locked those memories away you've carried that tarnished part of your heart whatever that is today God wants to give you freedom with your eyes closed and your heads bowed You know that you have things that need to be restored. And today, you want to open the door to that. Would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? Yeah. Nobody's looking at you. Just you and God. A lot of hands. You can put your hands down. You know, before Jesus can ever restore your soul, he has to restore your spirit what we call salvation, being born again, giving your life, committing your life to Christ. Before you can ever get your heart fixed, you've got to have your spirit fixed. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you know church, you know religion, but you do not know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. That's the first step. So you're here today and Maybe you don't understand all of this stuff, but there's something going on inside of you. There's this tug on your heart. That's Jesus knocking on the door of your life so he can restore your spirit. And then, and only then, does he begin to restore your soul. So you're here today. You don't have a relationship with Jesus, but... He's tugging on your heart. I want to pray for you. If God's tugging on your heart, would you just slip your hand up? You don't have a relationship with him, but you want one today. Maybe your relationship with God has has veered off course. Maybe you had one in the past, but and you find yourself in a, a place today where you're no longer on track with God. And today you want to recenter and refocus that relationship. If that's you, would you slip your hand up?
I know it can be a little intimidating to lift your hand in front of a room full of people you don't know, but this is an important step in life. If you're here today and you still, you know God's tugging on your heart to commit your life to him, just look up at me. I'm not going to call you to the front. Thank you, sir. Just look up and make eye contact with me. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Need a relationship with Jesus today? Anybody else? Okay. I want to pray for us today to start the process of restoration in our lives. Just as Jesus walked Peter through the healing of that hurt and the pain and the failure and the alone all of the things that he felt in that moment. I believe today God is going to begin to heal us. Let me pray for you. Father, I honor you today for these people. God, may this day, Mother's Day 2014, may this be a day that restoration begins in the hearts of your people. And you begin to walk them through a process of healing. That they're their standing in you would be restored, God, that their perceptions of the situation would would be your view, not our view. That the relationships that have been damaged would be repaired, God, and that you ultimately would recover the right path for your people. Restore us today. Jesus has a question for you today. Just as Jesus asked Peter questions that morning while they had breakfast by the sea, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter responded. And I just feel like the Lord today has a question for you. And as I ask that question, I just want you to respond. Jesus says to you today, do you love me? Okay, you can respond out loud. It's part of the process. People of Generation Church, do you love me? Yeah. I really need to know this. Do you, do you love me? Jesus has a word for you today. Take care of the sheep. Get on track with your purpose. Don't let hurt and pain and a tarnished heart, don't let it derail you. Feed my sheep. Minister to this community. Love on each other. Do something great in the kingdom of God with your generation. Fill this place up with people who who need restoration. In Jesus' name. For those of you who need a relationship with Jesus, the scripture says this, that if you can say with your words the things that are happening inside of your heart, that that you can be born again. And so I want to lead you in a simple prayer. If you pray this nice and loud with me, believe it with all of your heart. Say, Father God, 
I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Heal my hurts and restore my soul and give me a destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome our brothers and sisters into the kingdom.